Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. You're listening to All the Shit I've Learned Abroad. I'm Andrea Gillis. And I'm Steph Page. We're two Canadian expats now living in Australia and the UK. Between the two of us, we've been through the ringer in our travels, experiencing missed flights, volcanic eruptions, and even a terrorist attack. It's not all that extreme, though. We've also experienced heartwarming, life-changing moments and met amazing people along the way. So kick back and listen to all the shit I've learned abroad. Welcome to another episode of All the Shit I've Learned Abroad. I'm Andrea. And I'm Stephanie. Hey, Steph. How's it going, Steph? I am dying and in a lot of pain right now. Why? I feel like there's well, a good story behind this. <laughs> I have actually started my physical training for the Overland track. Oh. And I have gone from zero, well, not 100, let's be honest, like <laughs> zero to 75. Okay. <laughs> what? So. And I have activated a lot of muscles that I have not used in a long time. Oh, yeah. So you're feeling it. Yeah. It's a good pain, though, right? It's definitely the good pain, but it's also the pain where I'm, you know, helping to push myself up out of bed. And like, Yeah. Well, that's good, though. Off me- the loo. Off the loo. It means your muscles are working. You need to get a good foam roller. I always have to foam roll after I've had, like, a heavy gym session. Mm-hmm. I bought one and it's horrible. It's, it's hard horrible. and painful. It, it yeah. is very painful, but it's good for the muscles. Um, and going into it, so we thought we would mm-hmm. do an episode on trekking expeditions. Now, uh, I'm just going to put this exclaimer in. No, not exclaimer, disclaimer. <laughs> but we wanted to exclaim it. Okay. I'm just going to put this disclaimer in now. Steph and I are by no means experts in trekking i know i've literally never done a trek yeah i've done one like one big trekking expedition and steph is currently training as she said to do her first one um mm-hmm. so i mean we're we're not experts but we're gonna we're gonna talk about a few things that we do know about it Steph, you're gonna talk about i guess your training regime right now and and <laughs> i don't know your thoughts coming up to this trek and what's going through your head <laughs> Oh, to say I'm training right now sounds so professional, but like my training is I'm giving it all, my all, like hiking, climbing, building my cardio up. Yeah. And I mean, if someone were to look at me, that's probably like a fit person's casual jog. <laughs> well, it is training. <laughs> it's still training. Yeah. And I'm very proud yeah. of you. Um, okay. <laughs> so let's, 
Steph, what is this track? Okay, so the Overland track, it's in Tasmania. So I'll be flying down to Tasmania to get started. It's done over six days. And six days is kind of the minimum that people typically break it up in. And then there's also tons of side tracks where you can add a day to do, you know, tracks off path. Right. Um, right now I'm planning on doing the six days because it's my first track. I've never done one and I don't want to be overly ambitious. Right. It's about 65 kilometers, so it's anywhere from 10 to 12 kilometers a day, which, I mean, doesn't sound like a lot, really. Um, The first day, a lot of it is uphill, so it's 1,700 meters or so um, height. So it's a lot of up, downs, up, downs, uh, a lot of different terrain. It's You really have to be prepared for it. Like, they're very clear that unprepared people should not be coming and doing this track because every night too you set up camp um you're sleeping and then you're getting up taking down camp and hitting the road again so it's all roughing it you know i'm gonna be peeing in the bush kind of style um you're 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 good at that i've seen you do that many times (laughs) we'll do that pop that's for another day pop a squat (laughs) pop a squat um yeah, so it's going to be really just off the track. You're completely disconnected. No service, no nothing. Um, just really one with nature and pushing yourself, challenging yourself. And So yeah. for, to, for to do this track, do you have to go with uh, like a tour guide or what's the deal? Who are you with? Who are you doing it with? Okay, so well, here's the thing. And maybe you or people listening can tell me if I'm crazy because I've started questioning my sanity this week. Mm. So only for the Overland track in the summer months, it's really popular. And with how many people want to go down there, you could very easily just, you know, destroy the natural habitat there. Yeah. So they only sell 60 passes a day. So only 60 people can depart every day. 30 of those are set aside for tour groups and 30 of those are set aside for individuals. I looked at it all and decided to buy an individual pass. Okay. Um, so I'll be doing everything myself. I'll have all my gear on my back. I'll be walking from one place to another. I assume like most things when traveling with 60 people departing a day, even though, even if I end up going by myself, I have a girlfriend who said she's coming with me. I won't say it's a hundred percent until she's bought her pass, but, um, like, I don't think I'll be alone anyways, but I didn't go with a tour group, which late this week, I'm like, well, yeah, to do your first track on your own. I mean, I don't know if Mm -hmm. I could, if I could do, I know there are certain tracks that you do like, um, I, the, and the, the only big one I've ever done is Mount Kilimanjaro. Um, Mm -hmm. if you ever, if anyone's looking to ever do that, you can't even do that one on your own. Like, yeah, for Mount Kilimanjaro by law. Uh, you have to have a guide. They won't let you go up. So even when I went, like you would do the whole check-in, but you check in with a guide Mm -hmm. and they're like certified guides. So that kind of track. And I would imagine there's a lot of other tracks like that. Like I'd almost want to say like Everest or something. I would assume, I don't know, maybe you can. I haven't looked into that and I'm definitely never climbing Everest. Um, But so so this one, what you're saying, you can go on your own. You can either pick um, doing it in a group uh, with a tour guide or solo. Yeah, it's pretty common. So... You know, it's I'm not doing anything outside of the norm by any means. I think it's just for me, for my first track, I've I've, I've been ambitious. Oh, <laughs> uh, well, we'll see. It'll but be, I feel it'll like be I'll challenge. be glad I did in the end. So how big of a bag are you going to take with you then? 
How, what's, what's... Um, I'm thinking about a 60 liter backpack that's still on my list of things to buy. It's a heavy duty list. So, and things are a chunk of money. So each paycheck, you know, I'm knocking things off one at a time to kind of break up the sting. Mm. Um, so I'm thinking a 60 liter backpack. And so with your bag then, are you carrying all this yourself or do you have like quarters? So you are literally carrying everything. You are literally solo. Maybe you can get, um, if there's other tourists, maybe you can find a strong, uh, strapping (laughs) man or woman to carry your bag for you. I mean, maybe (laughs) I'm sure everyone will have their own. Um, you never know. But. Yeah. So, and I have been practicing, even though I don't have the bag I plan to take with me yet, I've started hiking with, um, like a backpack on just with rocks and heavy stuff in it to get used to the additional weight. So getting ready in that kind of way. The the one thing I wanted to ask you about though, because mm-hmm. you know, you did Mount Kilimanjaro. That's a big one. Um, the one thing I don't really know how to prepare for is, the mental game. So physically, I know what oh, I need yeah. to do. I know where I need to get to. Um, but the mental game, I, I, you know, I've read a lot of blogs on other people who did this track. And and everyone talks about the mental game, but I don't really know what that entails. Well. Like what? Yeah. Okay. So when I did Kilimanjaro, I, I did, I'll be honest, no preparation physically whatsoever. Oh, which, really? Yeah. I mean... I don't know. I know some people that do. I didn't. But granted, like, I'm pretty active most of the time anyways. Yeah. Like, I, I haven't been lately. <laughs> like, I'm I'm quite a regular gym goer. I, I live, like, I don't drive anywhere in London, right? So I walk everywhere. Um, so when mm-hmm. I did Kelly, in terms of yeah, physically preparing, yeah, I didn't do anything. I do know people that have trained, though, and they'd go to the gym and, and just walk even on a treadmill or do, like, a Stairmaster. But I would I would say if you're a pretty active person anyways you're probably fine. But again, that's just my own experience. Now, in terms of mental preparation, I wish I had done more of that. Um, In in terms of offering you tips, I didn't do any mental preparation either. But once I was was up on that mountain, I found Mm -hmm. um, it fucked with me more like in my head than physically. And I don't, I can't even explain, like, once you get up there and once, once you're doing these long treks, you kind of realize, I don't know what point this kicked in, but I was like, I am on a mountain far away from civilization. And yeah, I think, I think it just hits you where you're like thinking like, I have to walk for the next seven days. You are exhausted. You're not really sleeping well. Um, Mm -hmm. now I know a lot of people said what helped them and which I didn't do, but doing like some writing at the end of the day. So writing down your thoughts, like how you're feeling that day, what you experienced that day. A lot of people had kept like, um, like people I know that have done it, they they made like journals, like daily journals. And they said that really helped them. And it it was doing something to kind of, I guess, stimulate your mind. You'll find when when you're walking for such a long period of time and same Kilimanjaro, like it's a mix. Some days you're walking for eight hours. Other days you're walking for maybe three or four hours, but like steep hill. It's almost like the physical aspect. You're turning what I did anyways. I was kind of just turning my brain off as much as I could just to, you know, I was focusing on just walking and like getting through it because you are tired. I don't know. It screws with your head a bit. Um, 
And so what I wish I had kind of done was, yeah, at the end of the day, do something to stimulate your mind a little bit. And that's the, the biggest piece of advice that I had. Well, when I spoke to people after I'd come back down, they were like, oh, you should have done this, um, <laughs> yeah. which I didn't do. But thankfully, we the group we were with, we did things like we played cards. Um, you know, we just sort of okay. kick back and relax and, and have some fun when we did get to the camp. So I don't know. I feel like that may, might have helped. But I should also say, like, in terms of altitude, once you start getting up that mountain, your head is, it's, mm-hmm. you're just a bit screwy anyways. I don't know. I don't know how to describe it, but. So that's the one thing I don't, uh, so I'm going to try to prepare for that, but I don't know how to other than um, I'm going to be doing a lot of kind of weekend overnight camping trips just to get used to, you know, hiking all day, setting up camp, camping, taking down, hiking the next day. But those will be for two days and then I'll be kind of just expanding on that once I get there. Right. Um, I mean, you do know how to pitch a tent, right, Steph? Oh, yeah, definitely. I love camping. Okay, good. And I've, yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. I'm pretty excited for this. But as you know, and I've told you many times, and we will need to train for as well, is I really want to do the Camino before I'm 40. What's that one again? That's the one through Spain and France, the Camino, the Camino de Santiago. I I don't know what that is. I've literally asked if you would do this with me, and you asked. This is like three times, and you've asked me what it is, and I tell you, and I send. I thought you asked me to do this one in um, Tasmania with you. I don't remember. I mean, I did. Oh, I asked you to do everything with me. All right. Okay. Well, tell us what the Camino is then. Like for anyone listening that doesn't know, because I don't remember these conversations. Oh my gosh. I'm in love with the Camino. It is my life dream to do the Camino, but it is over 500 miles long. So 800, over 800 kilometers. It is, you start in Spain. Oh oh my goodness. You start in France and you finished at the coast of Spain and it typically takes a month. So people walk it for a month and it's a very, you know, everyone does it for different reasons, whether they're looking for a new purpose in life, whether they're struggling, whether um, you know, they're spiritual cause there's a lot of, uh, religious aspects of his, that it has historically attached to it. Mm-hmm. That was a lot of words jumbled together. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, yeah, everyone has different reasons that they do it, but it does challenge you both physically and mentally. And a lot of people talk about that cause walking and you're walking about 25 kilometers a day when you do the Camino. Yeah. So anyways, my goal is to do the Camino before I'm 40 and these kind of tracks, the Overland will be the first one I do that, you know, will really give me a gauge of, okay, do I have this in me or do I not? You could absolutely hate doing a trek and be like, I know I might get out there and be like, done it, never doing it again. Well, that's how I kind of felt after I did um, Kilimanjaro. And I was, Mm -hmm. to be honest, it was nothing, it wasn't even on my bucket list. I think I had mentioned it before. My dad wanted to do it, invited me along. I'm like, all right, let's do it. And then once we were done, so it's even funny. So Kilimanjaro is the highest mountain in Africa. So it's, I think the summit's like almost 5,000 meters. Like it's, it's a big old mountain. Um, And everyone asked like oh once you were finished and you got to the top and you summited like were you just feeling like you had just conquered the world and like were you feeling (laughs) empowered and this that and I honestly once I summited that mountain all I could think about was getting back down I was up there and I'm like great get my picture done I'm over this let's leave because (laughs) I was again like I had mentioned 
I mean, I was physically exhausted as well. Like the the thing is that the lead up, the four, because I think we did like six days up or something, five or six, I can't remember. And it's like the first four days are, they're not that difficult, but the summit is hard. Like when everyone does the same route to the top, you get up at two o'clock in the morning to start the summit that early because they don't want you up there at like noon. You want to summit it by like seven, eight o'clock in the morning so you can get back down. Um, And by that point, I think I, like I was experiencing really bad altitude sickness. Mm-hmm. Now, thankfully I wasn't like throwing up or anything, but I just felt so dizzy. Um, I can't even really describe it. Everything around me just looked very cartoonish. Um, it, like nothing really made sense. I genuinely felt like I had like dropped some acid or something. Like it was not that I've you ever were almost done that. a bit delusional yeah. a little bit. Like unaware, spacey. Yeah, everything was, and um, thankfully, and again, you ha- you can't do Kilimanjaro without a, a tour guide. So we had a couple tour guides with us. They were even like holding me up at one point because I'm like, I'm so tired, I can't walk. And I remember once I got to the top, yeah, I was up there for like five minutes, which you can't actually stay at the top of, of Kili for longer than that because it's you're so close to the sun. And this sun, yeah. even though it's cold up there, like it's snowy and windy, the sun is beaming down on you. And I was just like, get me off this fucking mountain. And then we made it back Mm. down. It was like two more days down. And I thought to myself, I'm over this. Like, I don't ever want to do a trek again. I was kind of like, great. I did it. Take that off the bucket list. But now it's been a couple years and I'm like, maybe I, maybe I would consider another. It's funny though, because even when we were in Tanzania, (laughs) I actually left all my trekking equipment there. I gave it to uh, our tour guides because I'm like, I'm never going to need this shit again. Take my poles, <laughs> take my sleeping equipment, whatever. Um, I think I had like the Camelback uh, water pack that you put your backpack and the little tube comes out. I gave them that because I'm like, I'm never, I'm never using this shit again. Now I kind of wish I kept them because if, you know, I'm, I'm thinking, I'm thinking of doing, I want to do, there's a couple tracks now that I've seen. But yeah, so for me, I was, I was obviously very happy I did it, but it was just so funny being on top of that mountain and I just felt like. I don't care. Like genuinely, that's what what went through my head. But I was massively de- delusional, though. Yeah, everything was well, a bit that's screwy. What I, I, it makes sense to me though because the summit really is the climax of the trip. Yeah, and then after that, you're like, okay, like I can go now, but you can't. You still have to hike down. Oh. The hike um, down. Well, I'll was tell even you, worse for me, everyone I know, I know you, and I talked personally to about four or five other people who've also done Keeley and they all say the same thing like no one is like yes I loved it it was great I felt great I felt like I you know conquered the world no one says that no like one person so the one woman the porters actually had to carry her down oh right the thing like she was like no can't do it yeah um another woman I know didn't end up summiting oh. and she to this day to this day she's like I'm fine with it like she yeah. made the call to go back down right. um, before the summit and she was fine with that. She said she doesn't work. She probably it. made it to like base camp because I know I yeah. know when we went, it was actually really sad. There was a guy we met and he had sprained his ankle right before he oh. got to base camp. And like he's a pretty physically fit guy and he sprained his mm-hmm. ankle and he was just like, he's like the worst part is not even that I like can't summit. He's like the worst part is that I have to get back down now with a sprained ankle. Yeah. And yeah, he had to get help from. The porter. Here's the other thing. And you mentioned, you mentioned porters before. So 
All I have to say, the one amazing part of the trip that like always kind of sticks with me is when, so when you do Kilimanjaro, as I said before, you need a tour guide, but you also get a team of porters. You have like a chef that comes up and makes sure that makes mm. sure that you're eating properly. So you have this whole like team and there was, it's not like two or three people. It's like 14. I think for three of us, we had to have 14 people. There's a legal amount of porters they have to have per person. They're only allowed to carry a certain amount of weight. Like they have all these restrictions in place, which is actually a really good thing. Um, yeah. But the porters, it was like we were a little family for the week and they were like the most amazing guys. It's crazy to see how much stuff they carry on their on their head, on their shoulders. Oh, and all I could yeah. think, and even at one point, they're like, here, try to pick this bag up. And it was, I don't know, it was like 30 or 40 kilos. And I'm trying to pick it up myself and I couldn't even do it. And like this guy who's half the size of me has no problem carrying it on a steep hill up they go fast as well they're not they're not pacing with you yeah. they go way ahead of you and he's wearing they he they were wearing like proper walking boots they're not allowed like the porters are not allowed to wear just like sandals or whatever um, oh of course yeah. but you just it's kind of a bit underwhelming once you're going up the mountain thinking you're doing this amazing thing and you see these porters and the guys working and your tour guides that do this like our tour guide was like oh yeah i climb this mountain i don't know six seven times a month and you're just like, oh, and you know, there's these people doing it with 40 kilos on their head. So again, it's just a bit, I don't know. At the end, I didn't feel great. Do you know what I mean? I'm like, oh. but I mean, how often are those guys doing this? Like they, it's not their first rodeo. No. Well, exactly. That's what I mean. As in our, our one tour guide, he actually said to me, he's like, this is my office. And I was like, yeah, but I can't, I just can't believe you do this you know, six times or seven times a month. And he's like, I can't believe you sit at a desk nine to five a day. That's what he said to me. And I'm like, yeah, touche. That's a, that's a good point. Um, part of you feels like, oh, it's not really that impressive what I'm doing. Cause there's these people that do it all the time. But then as you said, they do it all the time and they're very used to it. And you know, they grew up there. They grew up in Tanzania and Mount Kilimanjaro is in their backyard. Now, quick question for you. Was there anything on Mount Keeley that was unexpected? Like the little, so I don't know if you watch Naked and Afraid, but I'm obsessed with it. Never. And what always gets to the people on the show, they spend months training physically, mentally. Um, they're ready for all these, you know, this huge undertaking, big challenges. And what usually gets to them is the little bugs the bugs like literal bugs and yeah like tiny tiny bugs that bite all over while you're sleeping oh. or get into your stuff it's the bugs and the weather like the drastic oh. weather changes that get to them it's never these you know you run through all these scenarios in your head and then it's the simplest things so for example i was reading on the overland track you have to be careful of leeches Oh, yeah. Oh, that's gross. I do not like leeches. So I've been thinking about leeches a lot lately. <laughs> like, well, trying to, and I got it. That's got to be part of the mental game, too, right? Like, yeah. Well, if you're, if you're going to, if there's leeches, what you need to do, I, mm -hmm. um, I experienced, I went to Borneo last year and there's leeches like everywhere in the jungle. Just you wear your long sleeves, long, like have all your skin covered, basically. Yeah. So they can't, yeah. they can't latch on to you. Um, but in terms of Kilimanjaro, I'd say, so the, like bugs, there was no bugs. Um, thankfully, like no mosquitoes, nothing like that. Oh, that's so good. But in terms of, yeah, the weather, I guess the weather, that was, that was one. Cause you're right. It does change a lot as you go up. So we started the trek and it was kind of, uh, like it was hot. I was wearing shorts, t-shirt, my sunglasses, and then... 
I think like the second day we were in a, a rockier bit and it was raining all day, which that was so annoying. But thankfully we brought ponchos, like proper ponchos to put over our stuff. We stayed dry. And then once you start going further up, then it's basically winter. Like you're walking in snow, yeah. there's ice. And then once you summit, it's freezing, but the sun is beaming down on you. So I got a pretty horrific sunburn on my hand. Um, I remember. Yeah, my sister did as well. Her face like swelled up. I've never seen a burn like make someone's face swell up like that. And we both mm. actually had like the way we, we were holding our poles and we both got burnt like by our thumbs and our index fingers. And we both had matching blisters like they turned into these huge blisters and then my lips blistered up a couple days later. Like it was. It's funny because I'm listening to this and I'm taking it all in. And like theoretically, I feel like I should be looking less forward to this. <laughs> it will be. You'll you'll love it. And it's not it's not like I don't think it's going to be the same. Like you're not going to get. You know, we're talking like African sun on the highest mountain in Africa. That's why we got sunburned. Australia does have a beautiful hole in its that ozone layer. That is true. Layer. There is no ozone layer in Australia. Yeah, it's basically but and gone. they say on everything, they said it does not matter what time of year you go. You need to prepare, be prepared for, you know, you're going to have the rain days. You're going to have snow. It's still up in the mountains. It, you're going to get all four seasons. Yeah. yeah. Make sure you get a good pair of walking boots as well. So that's actually on the list for this week because yeah. I went on a couple hikes yesterday and a couple I did. We went from one to another. Uh, so it was really good. I pushed myself, but my friggin' like, what are those muscles in the front of your leg? The big ones? Your calves? No, like your up glutes. Above your knee. Your glutes? Is it your, my glutes? Uh, like glutes or yeah, glutes or ham hamstrings in the back. Doesn't matter. Your your know. leg muscles. Oh, my leg muscles are on fire today. Yeah. Um, but I didn't. I didn't. I have really good running shoes, like exercise activity shoes mm. and that's what i've been wearing hiking to date which has been okay mm, but no you know i really need to get proper hiking boots yeah. and break them in and you and i would say now yeah okay so anyone listening again i'm not an expert but you are not doing any trek in a pair of nike running shoes that you wear to the gym not a fucking chance no. yeah you need to invest in proper their walking boots that's what they're meant for um and they have ankle stability so that's what you need as well you can get the walking shoes but i wouldn't suggest that for a seven day trek you want the ones the boots that like go up to your calf i need the ones that go past my yeah Be up my calf exactly. because i need that back support you need the back that, support um, and there's yeah. ankle support so you're less likely to, yeah. to like roll your ankle so exactly. don't get the wa walking shoes are good for like if you're going on tra like a little trail hike for like the day, well, even yeah. like walking around a city, but not for a trek. You need, yeah, get and and they're yeah. really good. I still wear my walking boots even if I go on like little hikes, um, walk like day trips outside of London. They're really good mm -hmm. and they're comfortable. Even to break them in, they didn't. I would wear them just walking around even the city, and I never got blisters. Nothing. They were good. Nice. I've started looking at socks, and I'm going to invest in some soon, but. The proper socks for what I'm doing, and they're like fifty dollars a pair. Yeah, but they're expensive. But they're like they're I like know. the thermal ones. And the thing is, as well, what you need to remember is that not only will they keep um, your feet warm, but when mm. your feet sweat, they'll soak mm. up the sweat because the last thing you want to get is trench foot, which you can get either by having wet feet from water, but also sweat. And that's basically when you get if you if you don't know what trench foot is, Google it. 
um, your feet just get essentially turn into like a big blister because they're just Ew. sitting in in wet all day. Yeah. And your skin, so, well, like when you're swimming and your hands eventually go. Exactly. Crummy. Yeah. So it's like yeah, that. And imagine gross. walking in like six hours of that. So get the ones where mm. it absorbs your sweat. And yes, they're expensive, but it is worth it. Worth it. Yeah. 100% worth it because you don't want. I ha- I actually got trench foot. Um, mm-hmm. The first year I went to Glastonbury of all places and I was wearing my wellies all day with just a normal pair of cotton socks. And because yeah. everything was a bit damp. And it had rained, but then it was scorching hot that day. And our feet, like my feet got sweaty. And then like a couple of days later, my whole foot, basically it was trench foot. It oh, turned into like sexy. blisters. I know it was so gross, but I wish I had those, <laughs> those proper socks though. The ones, yeah, it's worth the money. And that's the thing. All this stuff is expensive. You're going to spend money on it, but you don't want cheap stuff. If you're doing a long track, you do not want a yeah, cheap tent. You don't true. want cheap boots or shoes. You don't want cheap socks. You don't want a cheap rain poncho invest yeah no i have and it's in a this is honestly like we do we've done episodes on budget travel how we save to travel and this six-day trek is going to be my most expensive venture i've had in years because thankfully i already had an amazing trekking tent from north face i had an awesome i have an awesome sleeping bag that's rated even for lower temperatures than Australia's used to. Mm-hmm. Um, so I had some fundamental pieces already, thankfully, that I brought over to Australia with me. But I'm still, it's like, I'm getting, you know, new boots. Those are a couple hundred dollars. The I just bought two days ago a sleeping pad from Kathmandu. Yeah. I didn't have a good one for under my sleeping bag. And, you know, I was getting lovely little lumps and pains from the camping I've done recently. Just you know, essentially being on the ground with the blanket between me. Um, I need like a rain jacket, rain clothes, weather, what's it called? Like sweat wicking thermals. Yeah. Like thermal clothes. Like I, Oh, that's just so much. Yeah. There's a <laughs> like, lot. You need to make a list yeah. and I'm sure there's yeah. a good list out there. So I, I can give you some tips. I'll, I'll, I should just send you all the stuff that I brought to Kilimanjaro with me. Actually, no, I left it all there. Like I said, <laughs> Well, I will say the one amazing thing I found planning for this is that the government of Tasmania, the National Parks website, has all so many resources. Like, they really make this easy. Um, they have a packing list they've already done for you of everything you're going to need. Um, I still have to get, for example, one thing that most people might not think of if you're not truckers also, the personal beacon locator. Oh. PBL. Yeah. Especially if you're going on your get, own. Yeah. So I need to get a PBL. You know, there's just so many things like a headlamp. I mean, that's standard if you camp often, but you got to invest. But yeah. So all this to say, I really wanted to do this episode because I'm such a newbie and I feel like a lot, we do talk a lot about, you know, things we've done and things we've learned along the way. And I wanted to do this episode so that after I've done it, I can laugh at myself for how little I did know. (laughs) Exactly. And then you'll be an expert though. I feel like I am preparing really well, but I know once I do it, I'm going to be like, I can't believe I didn't think of this and this. Well, just make sure you're more prepared than, you know, standard trips that you take. Because we all know Steph does not know how to pack. She does. She just doesn't pack anything. I don't like anytime we go away, Steph's the one with like a pair of flip flops tights. You definitely cannot do a trek in flip flops. (laughs) That is literally the one universal thing all my friends know about me. This is what this podcast is all about. Learning. Learning and growing together. Yeah. So yeah, what I really want to hear this week is from any of our listeners who have done treks. I mean, because there's there's so many. 
Like really, as you grow up, I think of, I think of the Camino. I think of Mount Keeley. There's a couple big ones. So I really want to hear what other people have done, what you wish you knew or what you learned along the way that we're not thinking of yet. Cause I know there's a lot of them. Oh, if anyone's done Everest while well, base camp, I, I highly doubt I'll ever meet anyone that's actually climbed Everest fully, but base camp. Cause I've heard it's really? crazy. Yeah. And of all treks, that's gotta be the ultimate one step yeah. step. Maybe we could climb Everest one day. I like, I feel like I about Everest the same way I feel about marathons. <laughs> like I am happy doing a 5k. And maybe one day, just to test myself, I'll do a 10K. I have zero desire to do a half or full marathon. <laughs> and that's... Like, Is that how you feel about that's Everest? Where, I am okay with being mediocre. Same. I love being <laughs> I, mediocre and average and just... I don't have to do Everest. I don't have to run a marathon. I just want like to experience little bits of everything. Yeah, I like that. Does that make sense? We strive to be mediocre. Yeah. We're doing, and we're doing great at it. We are. We're killing it. (laughs) Uh, If anyone is good at being mediocre, it's Steph and I. I mean, if you set a low bar, you're always going to be proud of yourself. Totally. (laughs) Ah, so that's it. I'm training. So I leave for this. I don't, I'm not doing the Overland until February. So I'm sure I'll be, you know, dropping little hints or things as we go, as we lead up to me leaving. So this isn't the last time people will hear about it, but we want to hear from you. All the shit I've learned abroad is a travel podcast focused on anything and everything related to travel. You can listen to us on multiple platforms from iTunes to Google play music and more. And with that, please, if you have a chance, give us a five-star review on iTunes or whatever platform you listen on. That drives us up the charts and really, really helps us out. Want to support us on Patreon? Find us over at Shit Have Learned Abroad Pod. Donations start as low as just $1. Also, if you could follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Shit Abroad Pod and Facebook by searching All the Shit I've Learned Abroad. Thanks so much for listening. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. I'm Sandra and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn and has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey. 
Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. 